Welcome. Welcome on all those that are online. We're, uh, we're working through a series on resilient faith, cultivating a healthy and peaceful soul. I wanted to start by uh, showing you a really cool picture of a classic cutter ship from the 1800s. Isn't that great? And about 15 years ago, a friend of mine gave me a model of this ship. And this is a guy who really enjoyed our metaphor of sailing. You know, that we, we're learning to align our sails to catch the wind of the Spirit and move our, our life forward. Now the thing is, the model didn't come quite like that. It came more like this. And uh, if you could see what was in the box. Yeah. See? And there's a, there's a hull and all kinds of sticks and planks and string for the rigging and, oh my goodness. Yeah. Um, a little overwhelming, but it came with instructions. So I thought, maybe, okay, let's, let's take a look at this. Here's what it says. Here's some examples of, the, of what I found in the directions. Drill and cut all necessary holes in the hull. <laughs> Mast holes, gun ports for bowsprit, rudder porthole, through the counter at stern, boarding ports in bulwarks, gammoning hole in the head knee, two pedestal screw mounting holes up through the keel at about stations five and ten. Attach the moldings to the sides, cat heads, cap rails, toward bow and stern, pin rails and waterways. The boat divots project through the transom. The whole thing reads like this. I had no idea what they're talking about. I mean, this is never going to happen. Oh. So that's why it's still in the box. That was 15 years ago. I, I use it to prop something up in the office. All right, but here, what if I am a child and my father was a master shipbuilder? He'd built several of these, some, a couple of full-scale ships with a crew. Uh, he's built several models, and to him, all of this is child's play. And what if he has all the tools, all the paint and the glue and the skills, and he's delighted to show me step by step how all this is done and mentor me through the process. And he has all the time in the world to see it all the way to completion. Now that'd be a very different experience. It might even be fun. Well, it turns out our Father God is an author and master of life. And he's a master at creating and sustaining and nurturing life. 
You see, living in the kingdom in a broken world is about as complicated as that ship model. But our Father has a master plan, and he delights to care for our soul, and that changes everything about how we approach this. Now, originally I had planned to talk more about how we participate uh, with God uh, for soul care. And that's what the whole series has been about. But I want this morning to just step back and look at the master plan and what God is providing for us. I think this is breathtaking and, and encouraging. And it's really beautifully laid out in the book of Ephesians, like, like no other place. And what we want to do is look at that this morning and just revel in the possibilities and in the vision that Paul casts for us there. But before we go there, I want to just point out a few things to prepare us, because this passage is amazing. The first thing is we cannot overemphasize how incredibly important this particular letter is to the church at large. Um, This perspective that Paul paints for us is absolutely uh, essential to each of us personally and to all of us corporately. In fact, N.T. Wright uh, has an interesting comment on the book of Ephesians. If the reformers had taken Ephesians rather than Galatians and Romans as their main set text, the entire course of Western history might have been different. That's a shocking statement, but he's absolutely right because Paul paints a panoramic vision, a revelation there of what God is doing in creation. The second thing I want to uh, suggest before we look at this is that um, the word grace is going to appear multiple times in this passage. And I want you to keep in mind that grace is not just a synonym for forgiveness. It doesn't just mean uh, we don't get what we deserve or something like that. Grace is all that God is doing in us and for us that we can't do. You rescue a drowning person, that's grace, because they couldn't save themselves, okay? And, and, and grace permeates this passage in that, with that perspective. Another thing I want to point out is that, that over and over, it talks about the Father's delight and desire to do this. All right? It's beautiful. So, After the initial greeting in the letter, uh, Paul launches into this vision of what God is doing. And what we can't see in most of our translations is that from verse 3 to verse 14 is one long sentence in the original. And he does this on purpose. You know, in English, we call that a run-on sentence. We don't do that. But Paul paints out this panoramic view and ties all these pieces together with action verbs and, and, and thing, movement to talk about God's multi-layered uh, mission 
on this planet. So what I did is I started with the NRSV and I, I took out all the periods and I linked it together to make it look more like what Paul was trying to say. This is kind of fascinating. I just love this. So it's fairly long. I wanted you to just hang in there with me and see how Paul adds layer upon layer to create this vision. All right, let's, let's launch in. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, having blessed us in Christ with every, every spiritual resource in the heavenly realm, just as he chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world, what? For us to be holy and unblemished before him in love, having destined us for adoption as his children to himself through Jesus Christ, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he freely bestowed on us in the beloved, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace that he lavished on us, and with all wisdom and insight, having made known to us the mystery of his will, according to the, God of the Father's good pleasure, the plan which he purposed in Christ for the administration of the fullness of time to gather up all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth, all in Christ, in whom we also have obtained an inheritance, having been destined according to his purpose, all things working according to his counsel and will, for us to be, to the praise of his glory, the ones who first trusted Christ, in whom you also, having heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and having believed in him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the deposit on our inheritance toward the redemption of the acquired possession to the praise of his glory. Woo! That's a mouthful. It's huge. Paul is compounding layer upon layer of the riches of heaven that God has brought to bear to make life possible for us. Paul, and if we pull all this together, what Paul is telling us is God is restoring his family. We could have the next slide. Father God is restoring his family. This is the whole reason for creation in the first place. God wanted a house full of kids. Kids to love and raise up. And the whole Bible is a story of God's creation, how sin deceived and ruined us, and how God set about to restore his family again. That's salvation history. The family, because of evil, his family got shattered and scattered. Our relationship with him was broken. And, and Paul is completely taken by this, this fact that God is moving heaven and earth to gather back his family. 
The whole point, again, the whole point of creation was God wanted to be a father. That's why father is, permeates the New Testament. And it was, it was a shock to the first century to hear people talk about being a child of God. All right? That was something reserved for the emperor. And God created us with enough capacity to bond with him in love and have a relationship with him, but he also created us limited enough to need him. We need him to love us. We need him to raise us up, to become like him. But because of what evil did to the family, father launched an incredible mission to adopt us back as his children. And this is what makes soul care possible at all. Now, Paul's prayer. After, after laying out this massive picture, Paul moves on and prays that we would get it. <laughs> you know, something about this is so big and so important Paul knew it was almost impossible to convey this on a page. We can't reduce this move of God to, to the facts of salvation history. Um, there's something behind this description that is so important and so meaningful and relevant to us. We could gloss over it and miss it. In fact, for, because if you've grown up in church, some of this might even sound like I've heard all this before. So Paul prays that God would reveal to us the significance of what he has just told us. Because we can miss it. He wants us to catch the vision and take it to heart. And this is what he prays. I pray that the Lord, that our, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation as you come to know him so that with the eyes of your heart being enlightened you may perceive what is the hope to which he has called you and what are the riches of his glorious inheritance which he's just talked about among the saints and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe. May God open the eyes of your heart. Paul says catching this vision is not as simple as hearing the words. Paul is praying that we would catch how God has literally changed the condition of the cosmos. In fact, when he says the immeasurable greatness of his power, he immediately follows that prayer with, with the a description of what Jesus actually accomplished. That he defeated the enemy's plan to destroy God's family. He delivered us from the dominion of evil. And he's bringing the resources of heaven to his children so we can live the way he planned from the get-go. Father God is providing the resources of heaven for his children. We can't say this enough. 
God is a father who cares for our soul. And this is the very essence of soul care. God taking the initiative as father to father us. And, and certainly soul care includes everything we've talked about in this series. Where we're learning how to participate with God for soul care. But at the core of it all is God's care for our soul. And I want to look uh, a little bit at some of the different ways that Father God does this for us. The first thing he does is rescue us. Now, it's easy for us to say, yeah, yeah, we've heard all that before. Uh, we know this. But see, salvation isn't just about going to heaven when we die. In Colossians, which echoes a lot of Ephesians, in Colossians, Paul says, the Father has rescued us from the power of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved Son. That's the essence of salvation. This is like going into enemy territory, rescuing a person, and bringing him to a kingdom of life. We were in bondage under the, under the domain of the ruler of this world. And we were rescued. That's what salvation means. Okay, we use the word salvation to mean I'm saved, which means I'm going to go to heaven. But when the New Testament authors you saved, it was a much bigger word. It meant we, we have been saved from evil. We can live differently. Now, we don't have time to go back uh, all through Ephesians. But again, after Paul prayed this prayer that we would get it, he, under, he, he underscores it with, our, our father set Jesus far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is named. Jesus was victorious over the enemy of our soul, and this is why we can be restored to the father at all. And frankly, this has tremendous implications for every day. Uh, if we look back at Romans 5, Paul says, if when we were enemies... We were reconciled to God. Much more, having been reconciled, we will be saved by the life of Jesus in us. See, we not only have to be rescued from the dominion of evil, we need to be rescued from our own devices. And that takes time. Amen. And that's, that's a process. Rescue is huge, and that's, that's a way of God caring for our soul. All right, that's Father God caring about us. Father heals us. Jesus said, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. And he's not talking about physical illness. He's talking about a spiritual disease. We need healing. Uh, back in Psalm 147, the psalmist says, he heals the broken and binds up their wounds. Now it's hard to find it's hard to find better soul care than healing. You know, the mistakes we've made in life, the, the rejection we've experienced, maybe abuse that we've gone through, uh, failures that we've uh, walked through, regrets we have, all those things 
that have done to us that left scars on our soul, all those things we've done that we wish we could undo, God heals what those things have done to our soul. That's soul care. Our Father walks with us in both worlds. See? We are in the world and we're in the kingdom at the same time. And that's not an easy walk. That's why we need an expert shipbuilder, all right? An expert life builder. A major part of growing up spiritually is learning how to navigate life in this fallen world from the vantage point of being a child of a king. And God cares for us in this journey. Our Father feeds our soul. We talked about that a few weeks ago. Word of God is food for our soul. Learning to engage with God and letting him speak into our life and, 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 and nurture our soul is like a feast. Our Father God disarms our anxieties. Famous, famous, famous phrase in the upper room discourse. Jesus says, let not your hearts be troubled. Trust me. Trust God. In fact, when you read the phrase believe in, you can just replace that with trust. Believe in God, believe also in me. Trust me. Trust God. John says the perfect love casts out fear. See, it's really hard to talk ourselves out of anxiety. You know, the more you try, the more worried you are. Um, but as we come to trust the Father, and because of how much he cares for us, he can diminish those anxieties and disarm them. The Father trains us and shapes our lives. We talk a lot about discipleship. I like to call it apprenticeship to Jesus because it's like learning how to build a ship, learning how to sail, um, learning how to live as a child of the king. It takes training. It takes practice. It's one of the best things we can do for our soul. Learn how to live in the kingdom where the resources are. Our Father comforts us. See, when things go wrong, in between the injury and the healing, God comforts us on that journey. He's present with us. Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest, and you will find rest for your soul. That's soul care. Our Father knows us and loves us at the same time. Everything about us, he knows, and he loves us. So that's one of our deepest needs, to be known and loved at the same time, wherever we happen to be on this journey. All right? We don't earn love by seeing how far we get. God loves us and walks with us on the journey. In fact, this again is such a huge thing. Paul in, in chapter 3 of Ephesians prays another prayer where he says God loves us so much, Paul prays that he would, God would strengthen your heart so you could stand it. Soul care. Our Father provides everything we need 
Let's start to pull all this together. Um, looking back at what we've said, God rescues us from the power of the enemy. He progressively heals us from all the enemy has done to our soul and does. He makes his home with us and lives with us and walks with us day by day on the journey. He feeds our soul, disarms our anxieties, trains us to be more like him, comforts us when life is hard, knows us and loves us at the same time. I think we've just scratched the surface. And Peter says, the Father has given us everything we need for life and godliness. Soul care. <clears throat> First John. John got this almost as well as any, any of the disciples. See what love the Father has given us that we should be called children of God. And we really are. Not only that, we're becoming more like him. Soul care. Being called a child of God was a radical phrase in the first century. Familiarity can be a problem. We need, to, we need to ask God to refresh this. All right, we're children of God who is the master of soul care. This is huge. We're children of the king, and we have access to the resources of heaven. And we've seen Paul captures this beautifully in this book of Ephesians. Again, I, I would, I, 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 I've been camping out in Ephesians off for months and months, and I, I just, it's beautiful. In chapter 1, we see that God lays out this grand, Paul lays out God's grand plan to recover his children. He prays for us to catch that vision. In chapter 3, he prays our hearts would be strong enough to receive God's love. And at the end of chapter 3, he tells us, now to him who by the power at work within us is able to accomplish abundantly far more than all we can ask or imagine. Amen. So to say, when we say accomplish abundantly far more than we can ask or imagine. Remember, I mean, Paul knows. Look at Paul's life. Life is hard. And yet it's so easy to forget what we've just talked about and drift into kind of a low expectation of how God might be involved. Remember that he can accomplish abundantly far more than we think he can. No matter how long we've been a Christian, what God has in mind for us is more than we know. And that's why after Paul presented this panoramic view, he prayed that we would catch this vision. Children of God, master of soul care, 
the master of care, so, along with God. I, I want to invite you to pray Paul's prayer for yourself. Pray that Father, the, the, pray for Father God to grow our vision. Let's start there. Enlighten the eyes of our heart. Show us what it truly means to be a child of Father God. Who we are and whose we are changes everything. Secondly, pray for Father God to grow our expectations that his abundant resources and the joy he experiences, the joy the Father experiences in loving us and caring for us. And thirdly, pray for Father God to grow our capacity to receive more of his love, that he would strengthen us, that we'd be strong enough to live in that love and with his love all day long. So I, I invite you to pray that prayer and then let God minister to your heart and do this every day. I want to leave you with something that Jesus said, something very, at once very simple and very profound and very amazing and promising. He said, Fear not, little flock, it is the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Let's pray. Father God, open the eyes of our heart to see. Increase our hope and our expectations of what you want to do in us and for us. And strengthen our hearts to be able to receive the love and the goodness that you have for us. Amen.